going to age myself here today, but I feel like I have to explain this every Sunday morning for that younger generation. I've hit that age in my life where there's a younger generation below me. You kids nowadays, you got it good. You go on your phone, you go on your music app, and you put these things together called playlists. You put your favorite songs in there, and then you just click on your playlist, and wherever you are, there's music. Old people like me, we had to put mixtapes together. So that means we had to have these things called boom boxes that had two cassette tape players in them. That's a cassette for those of you that don't know. And you had to put the one in that had all the music, maybe it was Guns N' Roses, and you would find the one song you wanted on the mixtape. So you had to fast forward, rewind to get right to it. Then you would hit play, but you'd also have to hit play simultaneously as you were hitting record on the other one, and it would record this song over to here. That was one song. Then you had to come and throw in the Bon Jovi tape. Fast forward to the right place, do this process over, and you could get about 12 songs on each side of the tape, and it was called a mixtape. And if you were really slick, you'd put a mixtape together for your girl. It had all the love songs on it. And you'd bring her this mixtape. She couldn't play it right then. Mm -mm. Not unless you had money and had a tape player in your car. That was big money back in the day. So you had to wait till she got home she would play it when you, she wasn't around you. And then she couldn't shoot you a text to tell you how great it was. Let's be honest, if it was too late, she couldn't call you because your parents would get mad. And I don't mean on a cell phone. We had these amazing things called landlines. And parents were sneaky like that. You'd be on the phone, and they knew how to pick up the other phone in the other room without you knowing they were on the phone, and they'd eavesdrop on your conversation. So you had to be vague. So she's all hot and bothered because you sent the mixtape. She can't tell you she's hot and bothered. And chances are she was too scared to call anyway, so guess what she would do then? We had these things called beepers. Anybody remember a beeper? Talk to me, you can tell who everybody that's old. So you would pick up your phone and you would call this thing called a beeper. And all the beeper would do is leave your phone number. So they knew to call you back. But you could send in your own numbers and put in some codes, if you know what I mean. So if you got lucky and the mixtape was like it should have been, it had all them hit songs on it, and she was getting all hot and bothered and missing you, she could send you some numbers. And you could go to bed with a smile on your face. And that was literally how bad our life was growing up. You're spoiled, this generation. The mixtape. The mixtape was the tape that all the good songs went on. And that's what we're doing this series. We're doing a series called Mixtape. And we're going back over the last 12 years. And we're bringing some of the old sermons out of the moth out of the closet, out of the storage shed, and, and we're repeating them because so many of you come to me over the years and say, man, I'd really like to hear this message again. I'd really like to hear this message again. So what we've done in June and July is we're just going back in time, updating them, refreshing them, and going back over the sermons. And, it, and it's funny, the sermons that strike you guys. I have learned that whenever I'm excited about a sermon and think I have a home run sermon coming up, I never get a response from those sermons. I'll be all excited about it. I'll be all pumped about it. I'll be telling Christine about it. And then no crickets when I preach it. But always the weeks that I'm really not into the message or I don't think the message is coming together, those are the weeks that it always seems to connect the most with you guys. I think sometimes that's God's way of reminding us it's not about me, it's not about Phil, it's not about you, it's all about him and his message. And, and, and this is one of those sermons, I've been in this stage, my, my Christian life is about like this. I wish I could tell you that I have it all together. I wish that I could tell you as your pastor that, that, I, that I never mess up, 
that I never screw up, that I get up in the morning and angels begin to sing and I go into my office and I spend two to three to four hours in the word of God in prayer and meditation on your behalf. But that'd be a lie. Because I don't do any of that. My walk goes and ebbs and flows. There's times in my life where I can tell you, man, my walk with God, my worship with God is very good. There's times I can come to you and say, man, I'm just in the zone right now when it comes to reading my Bible. There's times that I can come to you and tell you I'm clicking on all cylinders in different areas. There's times I can come to you and say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just not clicking in a certain area. But here lately, and I've told Christine this a couple of times over the last few weeks, I'm in a period right now where my prayer life is just really good. I had just been craving that communication with God. That I feel like when I talk, I feel like God's listening, and I always know that he is listening. But let's just be honest. There's sometimes you pray, and you feel like your prayers hit the ceiling, and they bounce back down. And then there's those periods, and I know no one will admit this except the pastor, and the pastor should not admit this, that you go to God and you begin to pray, and when you start to pray and it's your quiet time and everything seems to be clicking, man, the worst thoughts pop in your head. You're like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking about that. I shouldn't be thinking about that when I'm not praying, much less when I am praying. And then there's times, man, when you go to God and pray, and it just seems like things are clicking. You feel like the communication is where it should be. And I am a firm believer, and I've said this for years, that next to the gift of salvation, the fact that Christ gave his life for us freely, the next greatest gift that God gave us was the gift of prayer. I mean, think about this for a minute. You and I get to communicate with the God who spoke everything into existence. We don't have to go to someone else for them to go to God on our behalf. We don't have to schedule a time to go to God. We get to go to God and communicate with God on a one-on-one basis. And I don't know what your prayer life looks like. Mine fluctuates. Sometimes, man, I communicate with God. Sometimes I'm in a thanksgiving mood to God. Sometimes I'm in a questioning mode with God. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I'm in a downright fighting mood with God. Anybody fought with God before? You don't ever win those fights, but we do it anyway. And I've just been in this prayer line right now where everything seems to be clicking. And I find that amazing. I find it amazing that we get to go to God and God cares so much about us that he listens. This amazing thing called prayer. Yet if we were to be honest, it's one of the weakest areas for those of us of faith. It's one of the areas that is so simple to do, yet we take it for granted. We forget the power that comes in prayer. Sometimes when you have an amazing gift or amazing something in your life, man, at first you're all appreciative of it, you're thankful for it, and then just over time, it doesn't lessen, but you begin to take it for granted. I bought a new truck about six weeks ago, and it was funny. Man, the first four or five weeks, every time I got out of my truck, I cleaned everything out of it. I wanted it clean. I got in my truck this weekend. Shorts are in the back seat. Shirts are in the back seat. Shoes are in the back seat. Socks are in the back seat. No, I don't drive around naked, but sometimes I leave work and go hiking and different things. Empty Gatorade bottles were in the floor. Folded up trash was in the floor. And it's still at that stage where it's semi-new, so I actually did something that I don't normally do is I cleaned all that stuff out of it. If you ever saw my previous truck, I would clean that out about twice a year. I'm lying, I never cleaned it out. Bubba would come clean it, and I would pay him to come do it, and he would clean it out. But you begin to take things for granted. I think that we do that with our prayer life. If we were to be honest, there's about two different groups of people when it comes to prayer. Those whose prayer life is non-existent, 
and those whose prayer life just sucks. It's very rare that you meet someone today and you just know that they are a person of prayer. It does happen. We meet them and we're always wowed by those people. We used to have a lady here that led worship with us. She passed away of cancer named Beth Rainwater. And when Beth Rainwater prayed for you, you knew she prayed for you. When she would tell you that she was going to pray for you, you knew she was praying for you. And it seems like more and more we move away from those type of things. And we still have some people in our church like that. But overall, it's those whose prayer life is non-existent and those that do have a prayer life that they feel it sucks. And I think the problem when it comes to prayer for so many of us is that we just don't comprehend the magnitude of this gift called prayer. We don't understand the magnitude of this thing called prayer. I'm going to say that over and over until you quit acting like a white church and you amen me. So let's try that one more time. I don't think we understand the magnitude of this gift called prayer. It's an incredible thing. And when we comprehend how incredible prayer is, I think it becomes impossible to take it for granted. But instead, we've taken prayer and we've turned it into these cheesy, cliche things that don't even move us, and yet we wonder why they don't move God. It's us going through the motions. And so what I want to do today is I want to show you a story in the Bible, and I want to show you just how powerful our prayer life can be. I actually talked about prayer about four weeks ago. We talked about drawing circles around your prayers. And we talked about praying for something until it happens. And when you want something to happen in your life, how you continue to call out to God and you continue to ask God to move on your behalf until you get that answer from God. And when we were doing that, we hung out in the book of Joshua and we're going to be back there today. We're going to be a little further along in the story. We'll be hanging out there. Let me give you a little bit of background here just to remind you. The Israelites, those were God's people. Up until this point, they had been in slavery to the Egyptians. They had been disobedient to God. The Egyptians had come along and enslaved them. God sends a man named Moses. Moses sets the Israelites free. So for the first time, the Israelites get to leave Egypt, and they get to go to a place that is called the Promised Land. It was a 40-day journey from Egypt. Because of their disobedience of lack of faith when they got out there, they didn't wander around for 40 days. They wandered around for 40 years. Does it sound like us? Does that sound like us? God has a clear plan for our life, but we know better. And what should happen very easily and quickly, we get prolonged because we think we know better than God. That's what happened to the Israelites. But now here they are, 40 years in. Moses, the guy who set them free, has died, and now Joshua is in charge. And God is now ready to give the people of Israel the land that he had promised to them. Before entering into the promised land, they had to do some things. They had to go to war and defeat some of the countries that were now inhabiting the land that God had promised them. The first country they defeated was Jericho. We talked about that four weeks ago. Don't you remember? They didn't even have to go to battle. They walked circles around. The walls fell down and God delivered Jericho to them. We talked about those prayers. If you missed that, you can go to any podcast app, type in actionchurch.tv, and you can download that for free. They defeated Jericho in such a crazy fashion that as you can imagine, the word began to spread. God's people, the Israelites, are coming, and God is on their side, and they are defeating the countries. They were so dominant that word began to spread, you don't want to mess with the Israelites. Now, through a different set of circumstances, now Joshua and find themselves, Joshua and the men find themselves ready to take on the next town, the next city that they have to defeat. And and they're going to battle with a group called the Amorites. Are you tracking with me? They've wandered around in the desert. Now they're going to war. They've defeated Jericho. Circles around your prayers. Now the Amorites are here and they have to claim this victory to finally take over the land that was promised to them. They go to battle with the Amorites and they begin to defeat them because before they ever went into battle with them, God had already promised them victory. Do not miss what I just said. 
God had already promised them victory, but they still had to put into action what their faith knew was already going to happen. Damn, that's good. As they're winning the battle, the Amorites are on the back thing. They're, they're retreating. They're being defeated. But suddenly something happens. It takes a little bit longer than they expected, and it begins to get dark. Joshua, being the leader that he was, knew this was a huge, huge deal. If the sun goes down in the middle of the battle, the advantage shifts from the Israelites to the Amorites. The Amorites knew the lay of the land way better than the Israelites. They can function better in the dark than the Israelites. They could even retreat if necessary and regroup had the sun went down. They knew the back roads. They knew the cut-throughs. All the ways to escape comes because it's getting night. And Joshua knows this is a huge deal for the Israelites to claim the land. He knows he has to defeat the Amorites before the sun goes down. But time's ticking away. Every minute they're getting closer to the sun going down. And he knows if the nightfall comes, it would be virtually impossible to defeat them that night. They would have to regroup and the Amorites would have the same opportunity to regroup. So Joshua, being the leader, does something crazy. Listen to me, if you're leading people, sometimes you've got to do something that's crazy. Matter of fact, if you're leading and people don't think you're crazy, I would question whether or not you're leading. Leaders see things, do not miss what I'm about to tell you. Leaders see things that nobody else sees. That's why they're the leader. Leaders are willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. That's why they're the leader. There's a reason the masses are followers is because they don't understand the mindset of a leader. So instead of trusting the leader, even though the leader's got them this far, they sit back and question the leader. It's easy to be Monday morning quarterback. Say, what's Monday morning quarterback? That's when you watch football on Sunday. And then on Monday, though you've never taken the field, you know everything they did wrong on Sunday. You're the Monday morning quarterback. You're not good enough to be the Sunday day quarterback. Mm -hmm. Y'all didn't know you were going to get a leadership lesson today. You thought we was just going to talk about prayer today. Joshua knew what he had to do. And so he does something crazy in the middle of battle. He throws up a prayer and that's not what's crazy. I don't know about you. I've never been in a war. I've never been in a battle, but I would imagine if I'm in battle, prayer is going to be a top priority in my life. I would imagine as the leader, prayer is going to be a top priority in my life. But he doesn't just pray a normal prayer. He throws up a crazy prayer. He throws up a boss type prayer. He, he, he throws up a prayer that to me sounds so insane that I don't even know that I would have thought of it. But he's the leader and he knows what needs to happen. <laughs> Most of the time when I pray big prayers, just going to be honest with you, I do it privately. I can pray some big prayers. I, I'm a big vision person. You might find this surprising if you don't know me, but I am full of ideas. It's my off-season. I've been on festivals for a living, and it's my off-season, and I have nothing but time right now. I called Christine the other day. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm just in a mood. She said, what are you in a mood about? I said, I said I'm just tired of talking and thinking about festival season, and I'm ready for the chaos of festival season. I said, I'm just getting impatient and I'm tired of going and sitting at a desk every day and planning something. I just want to do something. And her response was, oh, it must be July. Because she knows every July I get this way. I get moody. I get irritable. I look forward to the off season and I'm good for about two weeks and I get that itch about me. Because I want to be doing something. But I got notebook after notebook, page after page of ideas and some of them are so audacious that I keep them to myself for fear that you would think I'm crazier than I am. I announced some of them 
On a scale of one to 10, you get the ideas that fluctuate about a three. You ain't seen the ones that are a nine or a 10 yet. You couldn't handle those. You might quit coming to church here. But Joshua throws out this prayer and he doesn't do it privately. He does it publicly. (laughs) I do it privately. That way if God doesn't answer it, I don't feel foolish. How's that for faith? Joshua does it so publicly because he knows God's got to move on his behalf. And look what he prays, Joshua 10. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, do not miss this prayer. Son, stand still. I prayed some crazy prayers in my life. I have never prayed for God to stretch out my day. God, I know you got the whole world to think about, but I need to get this done today. I need you just to freeze the sun right there in the sky for a little bit. Sun stands still over Gibeon. And you, moon. So moon, stay where you are. Sun, stay where you are. God, we need a little more daylight to... It, I saw kids in here. I'm trying not to cuss with kids in here, but I just cussed. And if you brought your kids, we have a kid's air. So if this offends you, I'm sorry. But listen, listen, I pray some crazy ass prayers in my life, but I ain't ever prayed one like that. I don't know how to say that without cussing. I'm sorry if it offends you. I'm really not. We keep it real. Who you get on Sunday is who you'll get at Ingalls on Tuesday. We don't do fake preacher around here. Son, stand still. And then look what happens in verse 13. So the sun stood still. And the moon stopped. Until the nation avenged itself of its enemies. That's crazy to me. As it is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Blows my mind. God, I need the sun to stand still. Now, I'm pretty impressed that he prayed it. I'm more impressed that God answered it. And he didn't say, I'm giving you 30 minutes. He didn't say, I'm going to give you 45 minutes. He said, I'm going to keep the sun stood still until you do what you need to do. I don't know how long the sun stood still. It might have been an hour. It might have been six hours. It might have been 48 hours. I do not know, but what I know is, is Joshua prayed a prayer because he needed something done, and God answered that prayer until it was done. Your big prayers do not offend God. Matter of fact, I would say your small prayers offend him. The fact that you waste God's time on things that you can already handle. We serve a big God. We serve a creative God. He looked out into nothing in Genesis chapter 1 and he spoke everything into existence. He shaped you and he formed you. The Bible says he knows the hairs on your head. That's amazing to me. He's a big God. The big vision that is inside of you, God birthed it in you. And God is not offended when you go to him and ask big prayers. Look what the Bible says here, the next verse. There has never been a day like it before or since. So that right there tells me, That gets rid of all the scientists who say that there's eclipse and there's these and there's all these things that happen every thousand years. The Bible says a day like that has never happened since. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Big prayers move a big God. I would say the reason your prayer life is not what it should be is you have forgotten you serve a big God. You're living life going through the motions. 
You're living life like the movie Groundhog Day. You get up every day and it's the same thing and you go to bed and there's no longer excitement in your life. You're no longer dreaming in your life. You're no longer trying to achieve better things in your life. You're no longer believing God for the best. You've settled. And when you begin to settle, man, you get into the, to the um, monotony, if you will, of living. I'm not talking about these little wimpy prayers that we pray. We teach our kids, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Then we teach our kids to pray wimpy, repeated, lame prayers. And then we wonder why we're raising a generation who doesn't understand the power of prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep, go through the motion BS. And we wonder why we are no longer people of prayer. Because this, oh man, we have turned prayer into a ritual. Instead of a conversation with the creator. We've turned prayer into a duty. Instead of an honor. We have turned prayer into a religious activity instead of a relationship with the creator of the universe. We take prayer for granted. Think about it. You hear me say this all the time. Prayer for us becomes a last resort. We've done all we can do. All we can do now is... Like, we're at the end of our rope. What can we do now? We can just pray. Hell, you could have started with prayer. You could have called out to God in the beginning. You could have called out to him with your dreams and your desires. I'm talking today about prayers that are so big that the only way they can be answered is if God moves in the midst of them. I want to do things that are so big. You know how many times people look at me and like, how does he do what he does? Because of God. Because I couldn't do it on my own. I want things to be so big in my life and so audacious in my life that people look and they're like, man, but God. Thank God that he loves idiots of who I am the king. Thank God that he's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for those who have it all together. He's not looking for those that are always listening. He's just looking for some people that are stupid enough to believe he's a big God and he wants to answer big prayers. I'm talking today about sun, stand, still prayers. They sang that song today. Cher said, if I could turn back time, Well, we say it all the time, you cannot go back in time. There is no DeLorean that's willing to take you back in time. But God for one day made time stand still. Why? Because a man had enough faith to believe he would. He called out to God that he would. I believe God looks down and he sees our half-hearted, wimpy, saved prayers. And it breaks his heart because we don't understand the gift that he's given us. I'm just going to say this over and over and over today because I need you to grasp what I'm saying. Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still. And God answered it. I think as your pastor, we're going on 12 years here. I had someone the other day say something to me that kind of rocked my world. They said, do you realize you're probably the longest tenured pastor in Canton? You've been here 18 years now. Is that another place previous to this? And I said, man, that's crazy. No wonder this town's in such bad shape. But I like to think I've built up a little stock. I've been there for some of you in your darkest hours. And you've been there in some of my darkest hours, so let's make sure that it's equal. I have visited you in the hospital. I have married your children. 
I have been there when your grandchildren were born. I've been there when you lost everything. So I like to think I built up a little bit of stock. I like to think overall that you trust me as your pastor. I can get up and say some things, and you guys are awesome. I got up two weeks ago and told you, man, hey, I forgot to tell you, I volunteered us to buy Bethesda Community Clinic a refrigerator, $1,200. Now, here's the reality of that situation. There's a lot of churches that $1,200 is nothing to them. $1,200 is a lot to this church. I've been... I, <laughs> Dusty Rose said, man, I, I, Dusty Rose said, I've dined with kings and queens and I've slept on the streets eating pinto beans. I've been that in my ministry. I have pastored the biggest church. I started the biggest church in this city. Been there. I've been at the top. In the last 12 years, I've been at Action Church. And I love Action Church. No, hold on. But I went from a $3.5 million budget to, man, can we keep the lights on this week? We don't talk about money a lot around here. But when I got up two weeks ago and said, hey, we need this money, it's $1,200. We believe in the mission of Bethesda Community Clinic. That was a big ask for a church like this. You guys didn't meet the goal of $1,200. You gave $1,600. It was incredible. So I like to think I have a little bit of cred that I can do crazy things every now and again. But I think if I stood up on this stage and I began to pray and call out to God, and you knew that I was serious, and I was asking God to make the sun stand still, Most of you, it would be the confirmation that you already think you had that I'm crazy. You would begin to whisper among yourselves. I think he's finally lost it. Christine has finally driven him to the brink of insanity. I think he has lost his mind. At first, you might not leave. But let's just be real honest. If I kept doing it week after week after week, eventually you would leave because it seems a little bit crazy. (laughs) But Joshua prayed it anyway. My question to you today is when was the last time you prayed a prayer like that? When was the last time you called out to God for something so huge that all people around you could do that heard about it was laugh? When was the last time you began to call out to God, begging him to move on your behalf in a way that you knew if God didn't move, it wouldn't happen? You have access to the creator of the universe. Why wouldn't you pray like that? I met with a guy from the city recently. I don't think it's any secret that our building has been for sale for a few years, and there's some rampant rumors going around about the future of this property. We only rent this property. And this city official asked me, they said, if this happens, what would you do? I said, if this happens, this is what we would do. I said, I hate to break it to you, but if you think we're going away, you're sadly mistaken. We'd find somewhere else to meet if it meant we had to throw up a tent somewhere and meet in a tent. I said, because we're just getting started with what God has called us to do. And I could see the look on his face, and I could tell he kind of wanted to smirk, but he knew I'd knock the smirk off his face if he did. And just said, well, I just had to ask. That's the kind of prayers I want. I want vision so big that when we tell people the vision, they laugh at the vision. We will never be a church that plays it safe. I will never be a husband who plays it safe. I'll never be a father who plays it safe. I'll never be a businessman who plays it safe. We started this church with a vision to reach the least of these. We didn't start this church because Canton needed another church. We started this church because 74% of this community doesn't attend church. They look at the churches and they find them wanting. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the churches in our town, but for whatever reason, they look at it and they find it lacking. They find it irrelevant. 
I tell people all the time we might not be the biggest church, but we're responsible for more people being in other churches than any church because we're like the, we're like the lobby. All the people who don't go to church, never want to do church, whose mama's been praying for them, they venture in here one Sunday morning. They're like, oh, this ain't so bad. They stay for a little while, then they, they, they want to go deeper. They want something more, and they move on. And then what really happens is they move on and fall out of church, and they always want to come back here, but their pride won't allow them to come back here because once you've had a taste of this crazy place, it's hard to deal with normal. Man, let's just be honest for one second. Do, man, I'm talking to you. Ignore your wife right now, okay? Do not be afraid to answer my question. How many of you simply married your wife at the end of the day because she was crazy and you were so attracted to it? Three people are honest. She was crazy and you were attracted to it. I married a cope. I did the safe thing. It was boring. I found crazy. It was all in. I'm talking about the first four years my marriage slept with one eye open. She tells me, I've been sleeping so good. Yeah, because I've been slipping a roofie in your drink every night before you go to bed where I can sleep. I love crazy. Sign me up. Man. Boy, this church is. Once you get a taste of it, man, you can't go somewhere else. We weren't concerned about location. We weren't concerned about bells and whistles, man. But we had a big vision. And we knew that we call out to God, God would answer. The stories that I can tell about this crazy place, probably the only few, who's been here besides Kylie and Betty in, since about day one? Anybody else? Kylie and Betty? Doug and Kathy been here a long time. Yeah, y'all are new. Y'all are rookies. Richard, oh yeah, Scott and Nancy been here forever. God, Scott and Nancy were at the art center. About seven of us. We have done some crazy stuff here. Marriages have been restored here. Addicts have got clean here. Man, crazy stuff. We have been, we've had picketers outside, death threats. I got people all mad at me right now. Churches mad at me. Sending me DMs because they want to open a Muslim community center. They're all fighting, and I'm like, man, let them open. We don't get to tell them what to do and then have the government tell us what to do. That's not how it works. Someone said, what are we going to do if they open? Our job is to love people. I know that's a hard concept. Man. Big prayers. If you think this is our vision, you're sadly mistaken. This is the process in the vision. I joke all the time. People ask me all the time, they say, man, how are you going to do that thing? I said, I don't think God's ever going to release me from it. It's my curse. And I've accepted it. And I love you guys. How's that? Most pastors wouldn't tell you that you're cursed. You're my curse. But we've got to learn to pray sun stands hill prayers. Sun stands hill prayers for your family, for your business, for your finances. The problem with so many of you is you don't dream big enough And when you dream big enough, you have no choice but to call out to God. I want to give you some characteristics today of sun stand still prayers. First thing I want you to realize is sun stand still prayers are bold prayers. They're bold prayers. I said it and I'm going to say it again. He prayed for the sun to stand still. That's pretty audacious. It's pretty bold. Not only did he pray it, God answered it. That's big. That's insane to me. You you can't get much more bold than that. God, we're fighting these jokers, and I need you to make the sun stand still. And I believe the boldness of the prayer, the audacity of the prayer blew God's mind. When was the last time you prayed for something so bold? Let's just be honest what our prayers consist of. Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of our body. My granddad wouldn't let us pray before we ate food. He said, we give a blessing after we eat. That way we know how much thanks to give. 
I mean, think about the stupidity of that prayer. We get a triple cheeseburger, chili cheese fries, and a milkshake, and then ask God to bless it to the nourishment of our body. That ain't bold. That's stupid. You know what else I think is a stupid prayer that we pray all the time? Lord, thy will be done. Like he needed your permission for his will to be done. Thanks. Hey, thanks, human. Man, I was struggling with what to do up here in heaven chilling. (laughs) Thank you that you gave me permission. You ain't got to pray for God's will to be done. God's will is going to be done. Man, we got to approach the creator of the universe like he's the creator of the universe. We got to approach the living God like he's the living God. Bible says in Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me. Look what he says, and I will answer you. And I will show you unsearchable things. The King James says, I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Here's what he's saying. He said, call unto me, and I will show you things you didn't even know existed. You're praying for your family? Call out to me, and I'll show you things in your family you never knew you needed. You're calling out to me on behalf of your purpose in life? Call out to me, and I'm going to show you things about your purpose you didn't even know I had for you. Call out to me about your finances, and I'm going to show you things you didn't even know existed. You might have to put in some work. We're going to get to that in a minute, but I'm going to answer you. He says, I need you to call out to me in big prayers, and then I'm going to exceed the expectation of your prayers. God, I need the sun stand still. Hey, I got you. Matter of fact, it's going to stand still until you get what you need, victory. Bold prayers. Bold prayers move God. (laughs) People ask me all the time, why don't we see a move of God anymore? Because we don't ask for it. We don't want to put in what needs to be put in to see a move of God anymore. We've Americanized the church. We've turned it into a corporation. We no longer have pastors. We have CEOs and we no longer have partners. We have shareholders and we've left God out of our formula. (laughs) First John says this is the confidence we have approaching God. That if we ask anything... As his will, he will hear us. We can go to God with confidence that he hears our prayers. Hebrews 4 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. You don't got to approach it meek. You don't got to approach it mild. He says approach it with confidence. You come to him with the confidence that he's our father. Let me tell you something. I have thrown down. God. I have cussed God. He has slapped me down. I get back up and cuss him some more, but I come to him with confidence. He says, let us approach God's throne with the grace of confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you go to God with confidence, with boldness, he said, I'm going to give you the mercy and the grace you need to accomplish what I want you to accomplish. See, some of you serve a small God. So you don't think your God's big enough for your bold prayers. You would never say that, but your actions prove that. Some of you treat God like he's simply a 911 call. Anybody, I'm going to age myself again. Anybody remember the old Batman show with Adam West? You think he's the red phone. Boom, Commissioner Gordon's calling Batman. We need you. Some of y'all think he's a vending machine. You put your money in and boom, 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 and point out what you want. And God says, come to me with all your thoughts, all your desires, all your dreams. There are no prayers that are too little for me, and on the other side of that, there are no prayers that are too big for me. Come to me. You want the sun to stand still? I'll make the sun stand still. But Gary, I prayed for something. He He answered. The answer was no. That's another thing. We're raising a generation that hasn't heard the word no, so you don't know what to do when God tells you no. It ain't good for me to take a couple of weeks off. I hope your crock pot was on low today. We got to come to God with bold prayers. Don't miss this. 
sun stands still, are bold prayers, but they're also clear prayers. Clear prayers. People clearly letting God know what they want. The generality of our prayers, I think, sometimes irritates God. Lord, praying for my marriage. What part of your marriage are you praying about? Lord, I'm praying for my children. What part of your children are you praying for? We, we throw up these generic prayers that have no heart in them, no plan in them, no thought in them, and they're just thrown up. We hint to God instead of telling God what we need and what we want and what we would like to him to intercede on our behalf in. My son Luke is 11. Luke 11? He's 11. He's the kid that never grows up. I feel like he should be 37 years old and he's only 11. I don't know if everybody's like that with the last one, but I'm like, kid, grow up and get out. But Luke's the king of dropping hints. Like that shirt. Do you? Cool, come on, let's keep on walking. How about say, Dad, I like that shirt, I think I'd have it. He likes to drop hints, and then you can tell on his little face he gets frustrated when you don't feed into his hints. Then when he normally does, he finds a woman, because, man, he's a player. He'll find Betty or Faye or somebody, and he'll get what he wants. Boom, Miss Betty. Oh, you want some ice cream, Luke? Let's finish. Tell that boy, answer. Speak up. What's that saying you say all the time? Idle, closed mouths. Stand up, bro. I can't hear you. Christine tells him all the time, closed mouths don't get fed. Like, it's funny. This kid's got my, like, he can be anywhere in the neighborhood. I watch him. I watch him walk through the kitchen. I know he wants ice cream. I know he wants a dessert. And he won't ask. Like, we're going to beat him or something if he asks. Dude, he can be the other side of the neighborhood. I open up the freezer, get ice cream, all of a sudden he's coming through the door. Hey, Dad, you eating ice cream? He's, all you had to do was ask, son. What we do with God, though? God, just pray for my money. Pray for this, pray for that. Joshua could have prayed like that. You know what he could have said? God, just give us victory. Problem is, God had already promised him victory. He had to be specific in what he needed. He had to be specific in what he needed from God, and when he was specific, God listened. This has been an area in my life where God has been stretching me big time. I don't just pray for my children anymore. I used to do that for years, and then we went through some stuff this last year. Like I pray specifically things for my children. I pray specifically that anytime Emily meets a little boy, that God smites him dead. You say, you pray that? Listen, David prayed in the Psalms, Lord, kill my enemies. You want to date my daughter? You're my enemy. I'm kidding, so don't freak out. A little bit kidding. A little bit kidding. Civic prayers. I pray, God, I had this event coming up. God, I pray that I make bam, bam, bam. A specific prayer. I, I, I know what God needs. God, I know that there's a 99.9% chance of rain today. What I need you to do is split that cloud over this main street. Kylie, how many times does it happen? All the time. Every time. But I've learned the secret too. You want to pray about the weather, you go to Miss Linda. So Miss Linda can get some weather prayed away now. I pray very specific things for this church. I pray that God grows this church. Don't miss what I'm about to say, though. Don't miss what I'm about to say. God, I pray you grow this church, and you never allow this church to change through growth. God, don't send us 1,000 people. So all of a sudden, 1,000 people want small groups and youth groups and Sunday school and programs every night of the week. We ain't doing it. Lord, you send people in here that need their lives changed. And when they get their life changed, they realize that they are now missionaries to take outsiders and make them insiders. Because we ain't changing the vision. Someone said, I don't want the church to grow. There's too many people. Well, you're going to be miserable in heaven. 
going to be a lot of people there. You ain't the only one. You know my theory on that. I can't wait to get to heaven. I know that a lot of people about talks about a mansion. I know God's got a double wide for me. I get it. But I got it. I want it specifically next to some people. I'm going to regret this because now that we live stream, it will get out. But I pray specifically, God, when I get to heaven, you put my double wide next to the pastor of the church I used to pastor. Because he's a good man. Doing good things. No, I'm serious. He's a good man doing good things. But when I'm rolling out to my heavenly mailbox and my boxers and my wife beater, I want to throw the deuces up at him and just remind him every day, hey, I made it too, sucker. That's just my prayer. You say, it's not very godly. I didn't say I was perfect. Like I'm going to intentionally never cut my grass in heaven because I know he'll have a manicured lawn and it'll be awesome. My heavenly car is going to be up on blocks. It's going to be incredible. But guess what? I'll be there. Clear prayers. Some of y'all need to play clear prayers. Quit saying, Lord, just, Lord, Lord, just bless them. Just bless them. Lord, just be with us. He already said he'll never leave us or forsake us. Why do we pray stuff he said he would already do? Got to be clear prayers. I am going to get you out of here in time. We got to have bold prayers. We got to have clear prayers. And the last of all, don't miss this, because this is, I think, one of the areas that we mess up in our faith. Sun stand still prayers require action. Action. You ever heard the saying, pray like it all depends on God, but act and move like it all depends on you? Mm -hmm. The Bible says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you're not willing to put the work in, then your faith is dead. Someone came to me recently and said, man, I've been praying that God would help me financially and nothing's happening. Then a couple of sentences later, he said some comment about all the overtime at work he had turned down. I said, you think God's going to send you a check in the mailbox, first bank of heaven? Sign God. He's giving you prayer, answered prayers by giving you more word, but you're too lazy to put it into action. we got to be willing to put the work in to back up the prayers. When you begin to put the work in, it's amazing how God begins to move mountains for that work to be accomplished. Lynn, when you step out and you quit your job and your dogs sit full time, you can talk about it all day long or you can do it, and now you got more work than you know what to do with. Literally, like, don't tag me in any more posts. Tag her in posts. Talk about it all day long. I was talking to someone the other day. Someone goes to this church, and they, I don't know the correct terminology for this, but they own one of the largest real estate groups in the county. They own it. So all the agents are under them. And I, I, I'm making this number up. I think they told me they have like 300 agents or something. And they said 95% of the agents, 95% will only sell two to three houses maybe a year. They said 5% of the agents are responsible for 90% of the income. That kind of blew my mind. I said, why? They said, because those 5% are the ones that are willing to put the work in. The other ones aren't willing to put the work in. So you can go get your license and you can sell homes and you can do whatever and you can have a cute little business card. But at the end of the day, if you're not willing to put the work in, it don't mean anything. See, that's the problem with so many of us. Social media, when it comes to hustling, we glamorized hustling. I'm going to be a hustler, but you're not hustling. You're not willing to put the work in. You got to put the work in. Praying for something doesn't mean you stop dead in your tracks when it comes to that issue. Joshua prayed the prayer, 
but he had his men ready to attack. He didn't say, God, keep the sun up or we can chill a little bit and play poker. He said, keep the sun up where we can go fight, where we can take this land. He prayed the prayer where God would put him in a position to act on the prayer being answered. You got to put in the work. A lot of you might not even know what I'm talking about here, but you know, John and Uncle Randy, they got this football team here, the Cherokee Bruins semi-pro football team. They're 2-0, and they won 33 nothing yesterday, blah, 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 blah. And somebody actually said, are you surprised by how good this went? I said, no. They said, really? I said, no. They said, come on, man. You're not surprised? I said, no. I'm in a group chat with them. I know the work they've put in. I know the hours they've put in. I know the hustle they've put in. Here's the thing. I don't understand it. It's not my, necessarily even my thing. But I know this. 400 people are showing up every week to watch them destroy people because they've put in the work. Would that happen had they not put in the work? No. Matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and piss everybody off that knows about that that's watching online. There's another guy that wanted to start it, and had they not joined with that, it wouldn't be doing anything. Not because he's a bad guy, not because there's anything wrong with him, not because he's an idiot, not because he's evil, not because he, but he wouldn't have put in the work they put in. And that could hurt his feelings all day long. I don't really care because I ain't here to be his friend anyway. Now I got nothing against him. But he ain't my friend. I don't know him. It would have never been anything. I'm not saying that to blow smoke up there, but they put in the work. When people put in the work, Lynn's put in the work in her dog sitting. Bubba's put in the work in his uh, detailing. You've put in the work in those other things. Now you've got to call out to God, but you've got to be willing to put in the work. What's the point of praying sun stand still prayers if you're not willing to put sun stand still work in? Man. You can pray for your marriage all day long, baby. If you're not willing to make changes for your marriage, then your prayers are worthless. You can pray about your finances all day long. If you're not willing to put in the work to learn how to manage your money, then what good does it do? You don't have to make more money. You've got to spend less. That's why multimillionaire athletes go out bankrupt all the time. They don't know how to spend money. We're buying $150,000 homes, and they're buying $1.5 million homes. Same percentage. Bad principles are bad principles. Till you learn how to manage it properly and put it into action, ain't going to work. Till you learn to connect with your kids. Christine got in my face. I said, man, I don't understand. I don't connect with the kids. They're weird. I don't, I'm not into what they're into. I don't get it. She said, do you want to connect with them? Yeah. She goes, no, you don't. Don't you hate when your wife's right? She said, you want them to connect with you on what you're into. They're not into what you're into, so you want to connect with your kids, you'll get into what they're into. I got to put in the action, the work to do that. If I want to have friends, I've got to put in the work to do that. I'm bad about wanting my friends to be into what I'm into. But it's a two-way street. I'm growing in that area. I used to be 100% from you, zero from me, and we're good. I like to think now that I'm about 80% from you and 20% from me. I'm trying to grow. Baby steps. Last Sunday, I missed church. You know why I missed church? Let me tell you why I miss church. I went to a NASCAR race. Anybody ever been to a NASCAR race? Anybody like NASCAR? I don't understand y'all people. Cars go in a circle 260 times. I don't understand it. Not my thing. Got to go down in the pit. Supposedly that's amazing. It was amazing for the first two cars. And then the other 40 looked like the first two. And it was hot. Did I mention it was hot? 
Now, I'm just going to be honest with you because I, 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 someone said I gave way TMI and crossed the line talking about my hairy butt a couple of weeks ago. Well, I'm going to cross the line again. I'm going to leave it vague, but I'm a powder guy. Use a lot of powder. When it's so hot that the powder turns to plaster of Paris and you got eight more hours out in the heat, it's not fun. I didn't enjoy it. But you know why I went? And oh, by the way, never complained one time. Okay, that's a lie. It's a lie. I complained to Christine and Misty, but I made sure Bubba never heard me complain. Oh, and I complained in my group text. But I made sure Bubba never heard me complain. Why? Because that man does all kinds of things for me, and his weird, crazy, for some reason, likes NASCAR. It was his day. Now I feel like I'm good now for nine more months. I don't got to do anything for him. So I'm saying I'm growing. Action. Action. If you want friends, you've got to put in the action to have friends. Working on it. Bold prayers. Clear prayers. Action prayers. Have to follow up big prayers. Some of you are not seeing a move of God in your life because your faith is so small and you've made your God so small that you don't believe he'll answer your big things. You need some sun, stand, still moments. Things that no one else will understand. But when you are so confident that you call out to God, you don't care if they understand. I I, I don't care if people understand what I'm praying for. I know what I want for my life. And those those who love me might not understand it, but they'll support it. Son, stand still.